Welcome to Voices of Aging, where you learn more about aging through experts. We are ASIC, the Aging Studies Interdisciplinary Group at the University of Minnesota. Every episode, we invite people working in a variety of different fields related to aging and hear their stories. Tune in. Either you're considering a career in aging, or want to learn more about aging fields, or simply want to listen to a stimulating conversation, you will find something you like. Find Voices of Aging on the iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Madeline with the Voices of Aging podcast. Today, our guest is Lisa Olson. Lisa is Project Manager and Environments for Aging Specialist at RSP Architects. In this role, she creates environments that empower seniors to thrive and find new ways of living. She has also volunteered with the Giving Voice Chorus and the Amazing Grace Chorus to support people living with Alzheimer's in learning and performing choral music. We are lucky to hear from Lisa in two separate episodes, with this one focusing on creating living spaces for older adults. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I'm very excited for our conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Madeline. I'm looking forward to this. I would love it if we could start by having you introduce yourself to our audience and tell us about your work generally as an environments for aging specialist. Sure. You know, I'm an interior designer um, by training, but have been in the active role of project manager for uh, about the past 15 years. And for about the last five, I've taken on the role of an environments for aging specialist, which Basically, it's not any additional formal training, but it's more about being kind of laser focused on that specialty and just what design, what things have to be sort of applied um, to those uh, environments. And um, also, it helps inform other areas, other kinds of projects as well, just kind of everyday projects, having my kind of my lens um, help inform what's good design for all ages. So I guess I can start with just kind of what inspired me to pursue this area of work. About seven years ago, I became really interested in the specialty area of designing for older adults. So whether they're living independently or they need more of a supportive environment, such as assisted living. Uh, If they require a specialized care environment for memory care, or they're in need of long-term care in a a more clinical-based setting. Uh, I had been focused on corporate design for really most of my career, and I really started to gravitate towards work that, for me, just provided a more meaningful deliverable. And I think it might also be tied to my personal history. Um, Losing my parents at a very early age, uh, they both passed away suddenly when I was just in my 20s, and they were both just in their 60s. Um, I didn't have the opportunity to care for them. 
as they aged. And that probably created a bit of a void, kind of a natural life progression that I wouldn't get to experience. But however, I know people have experienced very painful, lengthy journeys with their loved ones. So I'm also grateful that I was spared that chapter in my life. Absolutely. Um, Thank you so much for sharing that personal detail in terms of your um, inspiration. And I'd love to hear more about the kinds of living spaces that you design. Sure. Um, Our team, we're currently working in the very early design phase of uh, what we call an active adult community in a local suburb to the metro here. It's a senior cooperative uh, prototype. So that just means there's an ownership component instead of being a a rental product, which requires a slightly different approach to the design considerations. Um, And then because we're a national practice with six offices besides our main base in North Minneapolis, Northeast Minneapolis, uh, we do have opportunities across the country to partner with teams on everything from typical independent living, assisted living, memory care uh, projects to high end luxury independent living projects. But in my head, I'm always designing where I want to live next. So as a single woman approaching her mid-60s, I have a kind of a heightened awareness of the current limited options and frankly, limited appeal. I've just, I haven't wavered over the past seven years from my vision of my own dream community. Um, But I've also received solid affirmations from many people that I've socialized it with both my age and much older, you know, that it, that it has legs. So it's basically a music village in the woods (laughs) and it's based on where I grew up on a fishing resort in the woods of, of Northern Minnesota. So it's a collection of cottages of various sizes clustered around a lodge, which really was the hub and connecting place for the 17 families and couples that set up Uh, residents there during their annual vacations. So there was an abundance of green space and outdoor activities that included fishing and boating and swimming and pinball and plenty of card games. Uh, Everyone had their private spaces, but the, the gathering spaces were really filled with joy and lifelong bonds were created there. Everyone, all ages, came together for a group dinner once a week and a group of musicians assembled to activate a night of swing dancing. It was really, truly magical. Um, But I share all of this to illustrate that we need to consider different models and more creative living options for older adults. Options that are desirable and affordable and yet supportive uh, where they can maintain or really regain a sense of purpose and pursue their passions and kind of provide abundant access to nature. I love that. That's wonderful. Uh, And I'm curious if you could tell us more about the process of creating designs. What does that look like for you? And kind of stepwise, how are they then considered for execution? Sure. Uh, Our design process varies uh, depending on whether we're designing a brand new building or campus from the ground up or 
more interior only spaces in a building that's already designed by a developer. It might be a mixed use project, which is typically a combination of housing, could be potentially multifamily housing plus senior housing, combined with commercial spaces such as retail, fitness, restaurants, or healthcare. Or it could also be a remodel of an existing community or something that's being repurposed, for instance. It also depends on whether we're designing for a client that's new to us or a longtime client for whom we have an established design program. So if we're working with a new client, we really want to partner with the care provider's operational team as soon as possible. Uh, if it's a project that includes kind of assisted living and, uh, and memory care, we need to make sure that we're designing the spaces for how those care providers need them to function. Sometimes we need to issue the early schematic plans in advance of the operational management being selected. So in this case, then we really just utilize our best practices for the overall layouts and adjacencies, and then we'll adjust and kind of fine tune those plans as the project moves forward and uh, we learn more. With clients with an established design program, we work closely with them from the very start, um, applying all of their specialized knowledge and experience to the built environment. But the thing we really always have to remember is that these aren't just buildings, they'll be someone's new forever home. And that requires a layer of empathy, you know, stopping and looking at what we're creating through the lens of those uh, that will be living there. That's great to hear and kind of a perfect segue. I think it would be helpful for our audience to hear of maybe one or two specific examples of a system or amenity that you've worked on specifically for the benefit of seniors and what kinds of special considerations are you thinking about when making those designs? I'm going to take a few liberties with my response to this, kind of this two-part question and touch on some more underserved populations and my advocacy related to them. Um, it might be a little bit more zoomed out than your question alluded to, but um, I'd like to share a few things here. And the first underserved population that I've been focused on really the longest is the African-American community, which covers the full spectrum from retired professionals to those needing subsidized housing, but they want to continue to live and age in close proximity to their communities. So I've been trying to champion a collaboration with a developer that has a heart for North Minneapolis. So these older adults can stay connected to their churches and to each other. And that's that's kind of a, a void in we're not offering opportunities for them to be able to stay within their, their own community. And the second is the LGBTQ community. community. Um, they likely have been dealing with discrimination in their day-to-day -day lives, but when they need care in a congregate setting, discrimination and harassment can really ramp up to the point where they feel like their only option is to go back into the closet. So having to pretend to be someone you're not is really just an added layer of stress that 
negatively affects any health challenges you're, you know, you're already dealing with. So we need to champion for care environments where all types of people feel uh, safe and, and can thrive. And then the third one is really what I call the missing middle. And by this, I mean the middle of the population that just doesn't have either enough accumulated wealth to afford most of the senior housing options that are available today, but they don't qualify for subsidized benefits. So that number is actually quite large and rapidly increasing as the boomer generation reaches their 60s and 70s. We have to look toward more innovative and creative solutions that address this reality and the associated challenges that it presents for really both living environments as well as care delivery. So I hope that that helped illustrate a couple of those more specialized things, not in the interior spaces um, of the care environments, but more in the community design. No, absolutely. Um, I love the interpretation you took of that question. And thank you for sharing kind of some of those more special considerations for underserved groups. And I'm also, I know that you're you're passionate about multi-generational living environments. Why is that such an important consideration? Well, I found that really everybody benefits from living in a multi-generational setting. I mean, we all have valuable insights and uh, knowledge to share, and we learn from each other there can really be a greater sense of purpose as an older adult when even though some of our physical strength may be diminished, that uh, we can still share valuable life skills and uh, wisdom. You know, YouTube videos can teach us many things, but not everything. And for many people who don't live near their extended family, uh, multi-generational living environments can really fill a bit of, of that void. And There's also the advantage of being surrounded by people in different stages of life than we are. I think it helps see the world through different lenses and adds a a layer of empathy that we really might not otherwise have developed. So I just find it really energizing and and much more hopeful than uh, more age-segregated situations. Fantastic. And... As we wrap up this episode with you today, I would love to hear your perspective on giving advice to someone who's working with a senior in their family to find a living community. What kinds of things should they be looking for? Well, I would definitely recommend that you start the conversations early on, really before your family member or members actually need to make a change. Uh, in where or how they live. The vast majority of people really don't want to leave their home, you know, which is understandable, but it's only fine if their current home can accommodate their physical or and or co- cognitive changes. Um, but I think nationally, really only about 25% of our housing stock is designed for aging in place, meaning all one level, wider doorways and accommodations in the kitchen and bath. Um, It also depends somewhat on where they're located, whether they're in a rural community or larger urban area. Um, The selection in rural communities tends to be more limited and often based on ability versus um, personal preferences. 
in an urban area like Minneapolis, St. Paul, I would ask friends and relatives who have recently gone through this experience to share their recommendations and then do your own research and, and due diligence into the various management companies and, and care providers, uh, depending on the individual needs and wants of your uh, family member. There are definitely costs you know, to consider along with various service levels. So you can explore whether an active adult community you know, meets their current needs, which is really just age-restricted apartment living with various amenities, like you would find in any multifamily uh, sort of community. And then independent living, assisted living, memory care, that combination really has a menu of options on all on one campus. So this may be a viable solution. Like, for instance, if you have a couple where one is still in very good health, but the other is living with more of a progressive diagnosis, such as, you know, Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, they, they may end up living in separate units, but they can still easily be together on a daily basis without, uh, you know, needing to drive. And now we have one more layer of consideration, which is social isolation, that's really been quite a paradigm shift in how we view social isolation since we entered the pandemic era. Uh, care providers had to enforce limitations on outside visitors to protect their residents and their staff, which really resulted in long periods of, of lockdown. So that has shifted the public's view, especially the adult children, and we're seeing higher vacancy rates in senior living than, than we did several years ago. But the flip side of that is when an older adult remains in their single family home, but they really no longer drive and, and they're not located near transit options, they can become really very isolated. And especially in the winter months uh, here in the Midwest and uh, if they don't have family living nearby. So it's definitely, uh, it's a lot to consider. We have um, just wonderful uh, and plentiful providers here in Minnesota. And um, so it's just a more of at least start with some personal recommendations and, um, and then do your own research and do a lot of visiting and touring. Thank you, Lisa. I think that's fantastic advice. And thank you so much for joining me for this episode. It's been wonderful to hear from an expert in this field. I know our audience is going to get a lot out of this. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This podcast is brought to you by ASIC the Aging Studies Interdisciplinary Group at the University of Minnesota. We are a collaborative networking group for students studying aging across the university. Stay tuned for the next episodes of Voices of Aging, where you learn more about aging through experts.